Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Wednesday, the 16th of February, and I'm going to hit a little bit of the headlines today. We're going to talk about the book of Nehemiah and tyranny that has arrived in Canada. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, so I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, I've been reading through the book of Nehemiah, sort of on my spare time at three in the morning, literally at three in the morning when the Lord just wakes me up and I can't sleep. I've been reading through the book of Nehemiah and asking the Lord really just to give me wisdom and insight as to how we've gotten to this place in our country, as to how we've gotten here in the world. And I'm going to try to weave in a little bit of what I'm learning uh into today's podcast so you guys can sort of put what the Lord is teaching me to use maybe in your own life as you're trying to make sense of this, really this just crazy time that we're living in in the country and around the world. But if you're not watching what's happening in Canada, you're missing out. (laughs) So the Canadians are not actually well known for their uh, freedom fighting, you know, warriors there. They're uh, generally, I would say, pretty passive. I've been to Canada many times and spoken there. Uh, I've spoken in uh, in Winnipeg. I've spoken in Toronto, uh, up in British Columbia. We've We've been in Alberta. We've been all over Canada over the last 10 years. And I noticed something when I was in Toronto several years ago, and I was speaking about fear. This was back when President Trump was in the White House. It was probably maybe the beginning, closer to the beginning of his term. And I was talking about the importance of freedom and why we can never take it for granted. You know, what is the right of the government? What can they do? What can't they do? And one of the pastors of a church that I was speaking at came up to me afterwards and said, hey, Heidi, you can't actually talk like that in Canada. It can get you arrested. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. You're not going to arrest me because, you know, Trump's going to come and rescue me. This is, remember, it was a long time ago. So, but what I noticed was this uh, particular fear on the part of the Canadians, several of them who said, boy, we never hear people talk about freedom this way. We never we just, you know, we kind of go along to get along. And the Americans, they said, are a sort of a peculiar sort. And uh, now we're seeing a sort of reversal happening where the freedom fighters are really coming out in force, particularly as we're looking at these uh, convoys of truckers in Ottawa. Now they've shut down the Capitol for quite a long time. And as we expected, uh, Trudeau is going to fight back. So He is what he's doing is exactly what we thought he would do. He has enacted the Emergencies Act. And this is what I want you guys to continue to notice because it's going to tie into what happened with uh, the Jewish people in Nehemiah's time. And what's happening now is we're noticing that this guy, uh, Trudeau, really is a tyrant. We've been saying this for a long time. And the people of Canada are starting to say, no, we're not doing that anymore. And so the Canadian prime minister invoked the War Measures Act just a few days ago. Um, It's euphemistically named now the Emergency Act. And I was thinking how sick and tired I am of these ridiculous leaders using the word emergency to take freedom away from the citizens that they're elected to serve. And that is exactly what Trudeau is doing. He's trying to put an end to the trucker protests by according greater powers to the police to detain, arrest, and fine protesters and to forcibly dismantle the blockades. I'm going to play a clip to you from Fox News and you guys can hear a little bit about what the truckers had to say. More they are trying to... Uh, put us to the corner 
the more we are willing to stand on our ground. With this thing, he just gain more freedom fighters right now. He is just going further and further into more power grabbing. It's, yeah, disgusting, really. Talked around with a bunch of us today and uh, we're all just thinking that he's, he's almost like he's scared. It's like a last ditch effort almost for him. I think it's wonderful. Tell you why. Because like that, even more Canadians who was looking at the whole thing like really passive from their home, from their couch, seeing the whole thing, uh, what's going on around here, they might gonna wake up and gonna they gonna stand up with us. If anything, it makes him look uh, incompetent. It's almost like it's exposing more corruption or something. It's almost like he's just lost complete control of the country and it's really shown just keep grabbing more power, dig deeper. Man, we just want to talk, come to the table. I think uh, before he does something like this, he should come out and ask what we want. I think it's a little bit overbearing for sure. Like we're not, there's no emergency here. Like we haven't wrecked one thing or there hasn't been any, hardly any arrests. So he's just doing it to try to get us out of here and it's going to work because some of us are going to have to leave, right? I haven't expected anything else because he is uh, under pressure. And every time we sleep and wake up with the threats, Threats are all, all over, uh, I'm telling you, it's a very dirty game. They are putting pressure on our companies. Uh, I'm glad that my company owner, uh, he didn't call me back, he said, I'm 100% behind you, stand whatever it takes. We're gonna stand our ground, for sure. You know, we are here in a large numbers. I'm pretty sure there are gonna be some chicken drivers between all of us. But uh, you know what, I can tell you for sure one leaves, 10 others, they're gonna take his place. I'm in for the long haul. He's, every time he seems to say it, it's like, man, I, my moral compass won't let me leave. It's uh, gonna basically chase me out of here because I can't afford to get my truck and everything seized and my all my accounts and stuff seized, so I'm ready to pull out of here. I got too much money tied up that I can't take a chance of losing it all, right? Some of these guys can, but I can't. We're not, we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're here until we're done. They don't know blue collar. Like we work. <laughs> we're a very conditioned group of people. We get flipped off on the highway. We're used to it. We get stuck waiting for hours on end. Like this is, I'm just not getting home. I'm conditioned for this environment. So as you can see, these guys are not deterred. They're like, go ahead, bring it, you know, because we're done. Why? Because they've pushed too hard. We now know that the scientific evidence uh, to back up these ridiculous mandates and the closures and the lockdowns is simply not there. And you're starting to see people stand up against it. I had a woman write to me the other day and said, again, and I've, you know, we've addressed this question many times over the last couple of years. You know, she said, Heidi, what would Jesus do? Jesus would wear the mask. Jesus would do, you know, social distance. He would do all those things. I'm like, actually, I disagree. Jesus walked among the lepers. Jesus never told us to be afraid of other human beings based on whether or not they had an illness. You know what Jesus wouldn't do? He wouldn't participate in a lie. 
And that is what we are seeing perpetrated on the people of Canada right now. That's what's happening in the United States and around the world and certainly over in Europe. But it has been shocking to watch how many Americans have been willing to allow tyranny to uh, reign in our country. So this is, I want to read to you a little bit about what Trudeau is able to do with this so-called Emergencies Act. The act will enable financial institutions. This is important, you guys, because If it's happening in Canada, I can assure you, give the left just a little bit more power and it'll be happening here. The act will enable financial institutions to suspend services to both corporate and individual clients who are suspected of aiding the Canadian convoys. Quote, the illegal blockades, said Deputy Prime Minister uh, Freeland, have highlighted the fact that crowdfunding platforms and some of the payment service providers they use are not fully captured under the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. Are are you guys, are you catching what's going on? Uh, The the financing, uh, the uh, Terrorist Financing Act. Moreover, truckers' accounts will be frozen and vehicle insurance will be suspended. The blockades, in her official perspective, are, quote, illegal and are, quote, damaging the Canadian economy. Well, do you want to know what's damaging the Canadian economy? It's Trudeau. Trudeau is who is damaging the Canadian economy. Trudeau is the one who has a little bit of power now and wants to keep it for the rest of his natural life. Trudeau is where you can lay all of the blame uh, for what's happening in Canada right now. He would be wise to listen to the people of Canada who are saying, we've had enough, we want our freedom back. And frankly, I think this is a good moment for Canada and for the Canadian people because they're standing up for their own rights and for their individual freedom, which from what I understand about Canadians as a general rule, isn't necessarily in their DNA. And so I hope to see it. uh, I hope to see this uh, encourage more and more and more freedom fighting people. I've heard that they're coming now to Washington, D.C. and certainly we'll be watching that as well. But PJ Media reported that the next question now uh, that we are left with is highly disturbing. What is it about the Trudeaus that they can so readily resort to the most extreme measures in order to quell a social disruption that could have been managed in a far more effective way? The upshot can only be what we are now beginning to witness, growing dissension and an increasingly broken country. This brings me back to the book of Nehemiah. When, uh, when, when um, Nehemiah was working as the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes, and this is where we find him in the first uh, chapter of the book of Nehemiah. So this is what we see happening in the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to start with the first chapter, and I want to give you guys a little bit of history because Nehemiah is being called to do an an incredible thing. God is going to ask him to do something amazing. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was at the citadel of Susa, Hanai, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men and questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So let's let's stop and think about right now. I you know the Bible is applicable to your life right now. Wherever you are, the Bible has something to teach you about how we are to act and how we are to uh, to move forward in the times that we live in. And this story is very applicable right now. So you're watching now uh, the Jews coming back from a Babylonian captivity, right? And what are they going to come home to? They're going to come home to realize that their home, Jerusalem, has been ransacked and is ruined and the walls are no longer protecting the city. Uh, Verse three, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in some great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
This is Nehemiah. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night and for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed your commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember that the instruction you gave your servant Moses was, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, even if your exiled people are the farthest on the horizon, I will gather them and bring them here to the place that I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. At that time, I was the cupbearer of the king. So now Nehemiah is grieved over what's happening to his to his people. And he's going to go before King Artaxerxes. Remember, he's the cupbearer. So that means that if somebody serves, you know, poison to the king, Nehemiah going to die first because he's going to be testing out the king's wine. And he apparently, the king has incredible regard for Nehemiah because Nehemiah comes before the king and the king notices that he's downcast in his spirit. And he says, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. Nehemiah records that he was afraid, but he said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? There's something important about this that I want you to hear. Notice the very beginning of verse, uh, very end rather of verse two, where he says, I was very much afraid. So the king addresses Nehemiah. This reminds me of the story of Esther. You guys know that Purim is right around the corner. We're going to be talking about that a little bit uh, in the weeks to come. But these are incredible times for the people of God. And God is not unaware that that many of us are struggling. Many of us have been uh, walking through this with incredible courage, some of us more than others, but we've always wrestled with the spirit of fear and Nehemiah was no different. Did you know that MyPillow is so much more than pillows? Jay and I recently switched to the MyPillow mattress and we love it. You guys need to check this out because with my special promo code, you can receive up to 66% off all the products at the MyPillow store. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-447-0541 and use promo code Heidi. That's MyPillow.com or call 1-800-447-0541. Don't forget to use promo code Heidi to get up to 66% off all the products at the MyPillow store. Nehemiah said to the king, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, right? And Nehemiah, and but he, but he goes ahead and he does it anyway. My grandmother, you guys have heard me say this on the show many times. My grandmother used to say to me, Heidi, you can do anything, just do it afraid, right? Do the thing that God's asked you to do and uh, come to a place in your life where your fear doesn't keep you from obedience. So the king responds to Nehemiah and he says, what do you want? And then Nehemiah said, I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. So while Nehemiah is talking to King Artaxerxes, the Bible records that he is also talking with God. He says, I prayed to the king of, to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, then let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. 
Now, the king, you got to picture this. I hope your kids are listening today, mom and dad, because the king is sitting on his throne next to his wife, the queen. And he asks Nehemiah, how long is your journey going to take? When are you going to come back? So he has an affinity for Nehemiah. This has taken years for him to build. And it's important for us to recognize this because there's something to be said for influence. Every single one of you listening to this right now, God has given you something precious. It's called influence. You have influence with your pastor. You might have influence with your neighbors. Certainly, hopefully you have influence with your children. That is something that comes from the, from the Lord and it is uh, nurtured and built through what? Relationship. So this speaks well of Nehemiah's relationship to the king. And so Nehemiah continues and he basically says, if it pleases you, I've got letters to the governors of the trans Euphrates so that these guys will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. So now he starts, now he has permission from the king. He has favor from the king, which he asked God for before he ever went to him. This is why I said it it uh, it mirrors Esther. And now he's saying, well, would you give me safe passage? And then he's going to say, would you also give me timber so that I can build the gate and build the house for myself? And the king answers those requests and gives those things to him. Now, what is happening in the background? right? The the villains are going to arise, right? This dude named Sambalot. So Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, they heard about this and they were disturbed that someone would come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So wait a second. These two dudes hear that Nehemiah has been called by God to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. The Bible records that he was so grieved over it that he wept over what was happening. Do you guys feel that way? I feel that way. I feel that way about the country that I love. I feel that way about Washington State. I am grieving, even crying and weeping over what is happening to the people that live here under the tyrannical rule of people who don't know the Lord and have no discernment and don't have the best interest of their uh, of their citizens at heart. This is exactly where Nehemiah was. And yet you see that there's a protagonist in here, Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, and they're angry that someone would come to stand up and defend the welfare of the Israelites. Now, this is going to set Nehemiah up for a whole lot of struggles as he tries to rebuild the walls and as he tries to renew the area that God has given him a passion and a love for. The Bible says he went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, he set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went to the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate and examined the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. So basically what he's recognizing is the Israelites are coming back now from a Babylonian captivity and they're going to move back into their home and they're going to arrive and they're going to be undefended. They're going to be defenseless. And he's like, and Nehemiah's like, this could not, this cannot happen. This cannot stand. And so he's going to go by himself and observe the damage that's happened to the walls and to the gates around Jerusalem. And then he's going to ask the Lord to help him. And then he's going to go to the people. And that's what he does in verse 17. I said to them, you see the trouble that we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God, on which was on me and what the king had sent to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to pick this up where we're leaving off today because I'm running out of time. But what I want you guys to hear and what I want to, uh, to come across loud and clear is that God is in the business of restoring broken things. 
God cares about the situation, or he cared rather about the situation that the Israelites were facing. And he put it on the heart of Nehemiah to do this, this, this scary thing, to do the thing that scared him, to stand before the king Artaxerxes, who, by the way, this was a, a pretty scary dude. If you read about uh, Xerxes and the way that he ruled, particularly over the Persian empire, you will discover that he had a reputation for being a brutal man. And yet God put Nehemiah, he positioned him in just the right place at just the right time. And you are in that place right now. God has you right here, right now for such a time as this. The Lord's not up in heaven going, man, I sure picked the wrong generation for this fight. No, the question is not, uh, what are we doing here? The question is, what does God want us to do here? What is it that God would have you do? One of the things that I have noticed, and I've been talking about this with uh, the staff here at the Resource Center, we've got some really amazing things that God is doing. So in the midst of me running for Congress and uh, producing this podcast and all the things that that uh, my family is involved in here in the Pacific Northwest and around the country. And by the way, my speaking season is up for you guys to see now. You can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events and you will see where I'm going to be this year. I have scaled back greatly on my traveling so that I can focus my attention on this area that God has called me to for this time. But what I want to encourage you with is that every single one of us has a part to play. You have a part to play. God wants to use you. The gifts that God has given you, the connections he's given you, the influence that you have, God wants to use it to promote righteousness. And I have said many times, I long to see the people of this area, particularly where God has placed me, right here in Southwest Washington. I long to see these people flourish. We should be, uh, and we can flourish when we have leaders who are coming with the right ideas and the right heart, which is to uh, advance the lives of the people that they have been elected to represent. And really, this is what Nehemiah sees. Only he's not elected. He has been called by God. And so he goes to Xerxes and he risks his reputation and his life to say, I care about the people uh, from my ancestral home in Jerusalem. And the walls are broken down and the gates are broken. And these people are in trouble because they're vulnerable to the to the attacks of the enemy. And what you're going to see tomorrow, because we're going to come back and talk about this a little bit more uh, tomorrow is that the enemy used a tactic that has been used since the dawn of time, right? This is what we saw Satan use in the Garden of Eden, and also we're seeing this in our government right now. We're gonna talk a little bit about it, but I want you guys to be aware of it because it's important for us to have our spiritual eyes open so that when things happen around us, we're not taken off guard by those things. And instead we can say, oh, that's right. You know, we were praying for this. And so if you're struggling, I don't care what it is right now, it could be struggling in your, uh, in your, in your relationships. It could be you're frustrated by what you see happening in the culture. It could be that you're having, you know, issues at your church or wherever it is. Uh, the Lord wants to show you what those things are. Allow him to speak to you like Nehemiah allowed God to put it on his heart He burdened his heart. So I always tell moms and dads when they're talking to me particularly uh, about what it is that God's called them to do or young people, sometimes I'll be speaking at conferences and young people will come up to me and say, I just don't know, you know, what's the call of God on my life? I will always reply with, what is it that um, just burdens your heart? What is it that you want to follow? What What is that one issue 
that just makes you want to pound your chest and weep and cry out to the Lord, that's probably what God has put on your heart. And it can change from season to season in your life. But the question has always got to be, Lord, what do you want me to do? We watch now that tyranny has arrived in Canada. It's absolutely here in the United States. We're not used to this, right? We are used to being uh, living as free people. But God has a role for you to play in it right now. And God is a God of freedom. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so I will continue to fight for freedom. I hope that you will do the same thing. If you guys want to reach out to me, by the way, as always, uh, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. That is where you will find uh, the form that you can fill out to ask me questions. That's where your comments can come in. Also, I have a new podcast that has been uh, going now for, I don't know, maybe six months called uh, America's Town Hall with Heidi St. John. That has a focus really mostly on political things, talking to the citizens of Southwest Washington in particular, but also bringing in guests from around the country. And I want to encourage you to listen to that one as well, especially if you're interested in what's happening here in Washington state. I also want to remind you that we've got a class Constitution Alive is continuing here at the Homeschool Resource Center. Very excited about this. We are learning the Constitution. And I'm telling you what, we have about 250 people that are coming out every uh, Sunday night. We've got three sessions left. That is Sunday nights at the Homeschool Resource Center from 5 to 6.30 p.m. And every time I get up there, this last Sunday, we studied the do's and don'ts of Congress. So according to the Constitution, Congress has very limited authority. Guess what? They're not paying attention to it. The Congress is doing things right now that the Constitution never intended. And so we need to send people to Congress who are going to rein in the powers that Congress has assumed that it can have and put them back in their uh, in their proper role of government. So this is really exciting. So come on out if you guys haven't done it already and learn the biblical, historical, and constitutional foundation for freedom. I appreciate you guys listening today. Have a great day. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.